God, thank you for this podcast and what it's doing in the lives of myself and others. Thank you for Aaron and Morgan and the wisdom that they're providing through this podcast. God, I pray for unity in the church and that your people will truly be your disciples and face the world with kindness, humility, and love so we will be able to continue to bring people to your love and forgiveness. God, thank you for sending your son to die for us and forgive us of our sins. We love you, God. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the True Discipleship Podcast, where we have practical conversations on what it means to be a passionate follower of Jesus. We are so thankful you chose to listen today and hope you gain a fresh perspective. With Jesus at the center, this is a community where everyone is given a seat at the table, a place to dive into scripture, talk, think, explore, and learn what following Christ is all about. Now on to our hosts, Aaron and Morgan Nelson. Welcome to episode five of the True Discipleship Podcast. My name is Aaron. My name is Morgan. And we are so glad that you're here with us today. We have a really exciting episode for you. It's a very clickbaity, if you saw the title of this before we get too deep into it. But Morgan, how are you? I'm good. I made a funny face when you said episode five, because I can't believe we're at episode five. Yeah. It, it feels like we just started this and here we are. Thank you so much to everyone who's been helping us promote this, whether it be sharing screenshots of you listening and subscribing and all this other stuff. We really, really appreciate it. As a matter of fact, towards the end of this episode, we're going to read some of the nice, lovely reviews that people have left for us on Apple Podcasts. We're small enough where people are all nice. We don't have uh, <laughs> we don't have internet trolls leaving leaving mean, nasty things for us in the comments. Yeah, while we're saying thank you, thank you to Connor, who uh, sent in a prayer to open up the this episode. Super grateful for him, for his heart, and for his support as we are on this adventure of creating a podcast. And if you are listening right now and you want to be a part, you want to hear your own voice, it's kind of fun sometimes to hear your own voice. But ultimately, if you want to pray for our podcast, you can send us an email at truediscipleship2021 at gmail.com. And uh, if you don't want to email us, you can DM us on Instagram, message us on Facebook, and you can find us at True Discipleship Podcast. That's right. One of the cool things about this has been seeing that people from... All around, I can't say all around the world yet, but I know we have listeners in Haiti, which is really, really cool. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Shout out to Brooke Angle. That's not her name anymore. That's not her last name. She just, Brooke Simuero. She just got married not too long ago. Congratulations, Aww. Brooke. But yeah, but what's really cool is seeing that there are people all around the world. Connor's in Louisiana. Jade, who did the prayer for us a few weeks ago, she is uh, in Lima, New York. So it's just really cool to see. It's like we have disciples all over the world. What? That's a really good segue into the title of today's episode. You want to tell us about what we're going to be talking about, Morgan? We are going to give you four steps, four steps to change the world. That's it. One, two, three, four. Yes. That sounds super simple. Yes. All right. Let's see. So changing the world, that sounds really easy. Yeah. Four simple steps. Four simple steps to change the world. I, I've looked up so many like DIY, like steps to do things on Pinterest that have like 27 steps and it's just to, like paint your toenails, but <laughs> we're going to change the world in four steps. You know, I think that if it's, uh, if there's one simple step, it's follow Jesus. That's number one. But you know, we, we need things uh, extrapolated 
a little bit. It's a big word. That is a really big you word. You like that? <laughs> Learned that on YouTube. Uh, yeah, but we're, we're going to break it down a little bit. I firmly believe that there are three questions in one simple step that we could all use to change the world. And, and you know, we talk about following Jesus. This is the True Discipleship Podcast. And I think the only chance that any of us have at changing this world is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And so as you read through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and kind of take note of Jesus and what he did when he was on this earth. It's so funny because I think, I don't know if you ever looked at a map before, any map, you know. Uh, Yes. I don't know if you ever looked at a map before, but like you look at Jesus and like a majority of his ministry happened in Galilee. And it's such this small little space. And I don't think I ever think about it that way. Like Jesus is such this big personality and such this big iconic person in, in, in history that you just kind of always imagine like Jesus took the world by storm. But really it would be like, you know, we're in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, it'd be like, oh, Jesus and Carrie did all this stuff. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Is that crazy really to think how about? small Galilee is? It's was? pretty small. I'll put a link to a map in the show notes for anybody who doesn't know. But yeah, I mean, it's a small, they walked the entire city. Oh, yeah. You know, multiple times and just kind of went back and forth. And it's just crazy to think that it's in such that small little space that Jesus did these amazing things. But it's easy for us to think and to say Jesus took the world by storm. He definitely took Galilee by storm. He definitely took this entire culture and society by storm. And this gospel eventually spread its way out. We get the Great Commission, right? Go, therefore, and make disciples. That's that's our mandate right there from Jesus to change the world. But how do we do that? That's the part that gets scary. Have you really, I want to pick your brain a little bit. So when I was growing up and like coming up in youth group, I was raised in, I think the generation of the church that was like, you young people, you're going to change the world. You're going to do amazing things. You're going to set this world on fire. Like that's, was that similar for you? I don't, I don't know what your like youth group experience was like. I didn't grow up in like a really big youth group. It was like me and my cousins. (laughs) We were the youth group. Small town. Yeah. Yeah. They did tell us like we could make a difference and maybe not as emphatically as you were told. Ours were always emphatic. (laughs) Ours was always some guy. uh, It wasn't skinny jeans back then. It was like cargo shorts. (laughs) Some guy in cargo shorts saying, you're going to be the generation that changes everything. And I remember as a kid being in those youth groups, feeling super intimidated by that. Because even then, Jesus is your example. And you're like, I'm supposed to match up to Jesus? Like, that's pretty wild. And then you hear Jesus even make statements that you'll do greater things than I did. It's like, how is that even possible? And I think that uh, that what Jesus was ultimately getting at is that if we kind of follow his, for lack of a better term, formula, I don't think it's a super formulaic thing. Like there's no copy and paste method to changing the world, even though we're going to try to give you one today. I think Jesus, if we follow the way, if we follow in his footsteps as true disciples, we actually kind of get a picture of what this looks like. So there's going to be two main stories that we look at today. The first one that I want to point us to is Matthew chapter 5, 24. And I think that the reason why this story comes up to me is because when we were prepping for this episode, the phrase that kept coming in my mind was that Jesus was moved with compassion towards people, right? Like Jesus was always looking for people. He was always freakishly aware of people around him. And I think this story kind of kind of validates that point. So earlier when you said Matt or Mark, you said Matthew 524. We're going to be in Mark. Mark. Yes. Yes. We're going to be in Mark 524. Way to keep me accountable. You're so welcome. But also I my mouth couldn't like make the different sounds for Matthew and Mark. So it's pretty tough. 
Let's check this out. This is uh, starting in, in verse 24. It says, Jesus went with him and all the people followed crowding around him. Jesus is going with the, the guy who asked him to heal his daughter. So Jesus is on his way to go and heal this guy's daughter. Verse 25 says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Verse 30, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? And I love this moment. This is, for true disciples, I think we always think we'd have it figured out and you know we get it uh but i love seeing those moments in in the gospels where the disciples kind of like poke fun at how dumb they were at times verse 31 his disciples said to him look at this crowd pressing against you how can you ask who touched me jesus they're like yeah everybody's touching you right now jesus but jesus kept on looking around to see who had done it then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done and he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. That's such an interesting story, right? I mean, to, to say that Jesus was freakishly aware of individuals, this story clearly points that out because the disciples are, they're making a legitimate point. They're like, yeah, you're surrounded by a ton of people. That's like if you were at a concert pre-COVID and you're like, who touched me? But like you were looking for someone deliberate. It's like, we're all in this mosh pit. Like, you know, but nobody's, we can't figure out exactly who it was, but Jesus knew that something had happened. And so you can get into the whole, how did he feel power drained from his body? And how was she able to like get this miracle from Jesus, even though he was like seemingly, I don't want to say unaware, but like he wasn't the one that initiated this whole thing. But I don't think it's necessarily that that stands out to me in this story. I think the reason why Mark included this story in his gospel is because he wanted to show that Jesus stopped for a minute to find this woman, look her in the eye and just be present. And I think one of the things we have to remember is that if we have any desire to change the world, we have to be willing to step into somebody's world. We have to be willing to not just treat people like an issue or a number or a case or a pandemic or whatever. We have to look people in their eye, just like Jesus did, and, and approach them. And I think approachability is a big thing in, uh, in changing at least someone's world. Yeah. I mean, Jesus very easily, like he's Jesus, like it wouldn't have been anything for him to like, let that power go out of him and keep going. Like it wasn't a loss for him and he's on his way to do something else. And he could have just kept walking and been like, oh, wow, like, great. This person was healed and not stop, just keep going. And I'm like, how many times have I been on my way to do something, to take care of someone? I'm, I'm on my way to serve at a physical location, like I'm driving to, I don't know, our church does a lot of things where we can serve at the church. And so I'm driving there and I pass by multiple opportunities to serve someone on the way there. Yeah. Jesus had this crazy ability to just slow down. Like in this story, he's on the way to heal somebody else. And yeah. he was like, hold on, I'm, I'm Jesus. That girl will be fine. Uh, <laughs> who touched me? And he had to figure that out because I think to him, it just mattered so much. And, and here's the thing. This woman was probably looked down upon 
in society. I mean, as a woman in this time period, she definitely would have been looked down upon for that reason. And I, I think this is the thing that sets Christ followers apart. I don't think that Jesus's miracles are the thing that made him a game changer. Don't get me wrong. These miracles are crazy. They're wild. It, this story is so funny because it makes me wonder like how many other people got healed like in proximity of Jesus that you just don't hear about. Uh, it's like that story from Acts when like the guy gets healed because he like was in Peter's shadow. But like that was Peter. Like, but what about Jesus? Like Jesus probably healed people just from them being adjacent to him all the time. And we just don't hear these stories. But like I said, I don't think it's Jesus's miracles that made him a game changer. Clearly that changed in in shaped people's world because he was healing them of all sorts of afflictions and demon possessions and broken limbs and broken bodies. But I think it was Jesus's compassion. I think it was his ability to look at those who others had looked down on and love them. So now we're going to take a look at another uh, another thing from Jesus and that thing. Um, I didn't want to say a story. It was like a real thing that happened. Stories can be real things based on a true story. Oh. Literally, if I'm telling you a story about what happened to me, it's a, it's a real thing. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, based on a true story. <laughs> um, so... In- <laughs> You're good. You got this. Are we, keep, are we keeping this? I guess yeah. if I ask if we're keeping this. I'm going to. Yeah, we're keeping it. In. Tato, we're keeping it in. <laughs> Let's go. You got this. It's not all perfect here at the True Discipleship Podcast. We have outtakes. Okay. Anyways, um, Jesus's life, Matthew chapter 20, uh, starting in verse 29. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them, but they only shouted louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly they could see. Then they followed him. Did you catch that? Jesus did the four things right there in that story. He did. I, before we get to the four things, since we're being funny in this episode, uh, love that the crowd was like, hey, be quiet. And the two guys are like, I'm only going to get louder. Isn't that funny, though, that this is, I mean, we see this all the time with Jesus. This is very similar to that story that we just read uh, from Mark. There's a woman in the crowd who's hurting. She presses through. Jesus notices her. In this same scenario, there's these guys, they're, they're yelling in a crowd and the crowd is trying to yell over them. And Jesus says, no, I noticed him. And we see this over and over again. You look at the, uh, the guy, the, the lame man who his friends brought him through the roof, right? Like there are stories all throughout the gospels of Jesus noticing and pointing out people in a crowd. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And I think also they're the people that like everyone else is like, oh, Jesus, don't pay attention to them. Like Zacchaeus and 
the woman who pressed through the crowd and um, the girl with the perfume and the hair washing Jesus's feet. That was in a party, right? And Jesus showed her attention. And it's just like these people that everyone else is like, Jesus, why would you take the time of day to even notice these people? Like, look at us. But I love that Jesus is like, no, these are the people that I'm going to focus on. I'm going to show compassion to. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you said that, that Jesus showed compassion to them. There's a spot in here where they beg him is at the end of verse 31. They say, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And then jump down to verse 34. Jesus felt sorry for them and test their eyes. Again, we're seeing that compassion of Jesus. And, and it's funny. This is really interesting, too. We don't I don't think we have time to get into it on this episode. But if you have a chance, go and read through the Gospels and look at all the times that people coerce Jesus to perform miracles by reminding him of how compassionate and how good he is. And I think these are people that are actually starting to get a glimpse that Jesus isn't just this man that can do a bunch of really cool party tricks. This is God in the flesh. Because remember how God describes himself in Exodus chapter 34, that he is rich in compassion and mercy. Mm-hmm. And now these people are starting to get a glimpse of that. And now it's 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 so interesting to me that before um, Matthew takes the time to say that Jesus was compassionate, you see the two blind men say, show mercy on us. They actually recognize that. So first first step <laughs> is to ask yourself, who does your heart break for? Who are those people around you that when you see their story, when you see their, their real life story, their true story that actually <laughs> happened, uh, when you see their circumstance or when you hear about them, who are those people that your heart break for? Who are the people in the, the scenarios in the world where you say, man, I wish I could do something about this. I think you have to identify that as your first step. Yeah. And we're, we're taking the time now to talk about, like personally for us, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. sure. So for me, the people, like what breaks my heart is seeing people on the street who don't have a home, otherwise known as homeless people. Um, yeah, just break, whether I'm like driving in my car and like take an exit ramp and they're at the bottom of the exit or if I'm walking around, a certain part like anywhere around town and like people come up and ask for food and then I always have the like oh well, I don't have any cash so I like I have no way to help you what breaks my heart is myself included how many people just brush them off or don't see them or just keep walking and never do anything to help them yeah I think I'm going to use an example of of a, a triumph that I think that we had as a couple last year, obviously COVID was horrible and shut a ton of stuff down and everything like that. And so around Christmas time last year, one of the people that our hearts broke for were people who worked in the food service industry. I had worked in the food service industry for a really long time. And I remember for me, uh, I was working, I was waiting tables at a comedy club. It's the same one that I met Tommy Neiman at, who was on our last episode. I was working in this comedy club and it was a show we were getting ready for um, 20 minutes before the door opened. And our manager came in and said, hey, we got to shut the place down. And I remember for me, I was like, oh, I'm fine because I have a full time job. I just do this on the side for extra cash. But there were other people who this was their primary source of income. And just seeing the way that their hearts sunk in that moment, I don't think I could ever forget that. And so even going through the rest of the year and, you know, I'm working at a church and things are going well and, you know, people are still giving to that church. So I am still getting a paycheck and like life is just it's like, man, things could be so much worse. I just couldn't stop thinking about people who had lost their jobs as a result of the shutdowns last year. So we'll kind of put a put a pin in it right there. That is, you know, who does our heart break for? That was a scenario for both of us that that we said, you know, kind of kind of led us into this next thing. And the next question is, is what is their need? 
what do people need? It's so interesting to me. This is Jesus that we're talking about. Multiple times throughout the Gospels, when people come up to Jesus for something, he doesn't just say, I'm going to give you what you want. Look at verse 32. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, what do you want for me to do? And I'm sure as these two guys are like feeling their way through the crowd, (laughs) everyone else probably knew what they wanted, that they wanted to see. Jesus, this is interesting to me. Jesus never made that assumption. Yeah, I'm... I'm pretty sure there's probably more that maybe doesn't have to do with the conversation we're having tonight, but I'm sure there's a reason why Jesus asks people what they want him to do for them. This isn't the only time this happens. It happens a couple of times in the Gospels. Uh, One of my personal favorites is in John. Hold on. I'm going to try to find it. It's in John chapter. It's early on. I think it's John chapter two. So uh, John the Baptist is like preparing the way for Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. It's in John chapter one. John the Baptist is preparing the way for Jesus being like the Messiah is coming. Repent, get your stuff together, get ready. Like Jesus is going to be here any moment. And then uh, I'm going to start reading. This is verse 35, John 1, 35. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. (laughs) Isn't that so fun? Like, that's so crazy to me. John has been heralding that Jesus is coming. And then these guys start following him. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is it. I want to walk over. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to Jesus. He's right there. I'm going to go talk to him. Oh man, I hope he he thinks I'm cool. And and then they walk over and then Jesus is like, what do you want? And this is such an interesting question that he asks all the time. And we're actually going to get to this a little bit later, but maybe it's because Jesus understood that all of these people that he healed had a bigger need than what it seemed was their apparent affliction. Mm. We're going to get in that in a minute. So for your scenario, people on the side of the road, someone without a home, what's their need? First, a house that would take them from being a homeless person to just a person because then they would have a home. I think they're just a person. Well, they, yes, they are just a person. Yeah, a home or, I mean, just any sort of shelter, if not like a permanent home, something to like get them in off the street during either crazy cold winters or super hot summers. Food and water and like just basic needs. And I think that's what breaks my heart so much is that it's basic needs that aren't being met that I think the rest of us just take for granted. And I think as well as like those tangible needs, like I think they just want, maybe we're treading into like the want versus the need, but just to be seen for people to not just drive by or walk by or say, sorry, I don't have any cash and I don't have any time to commit to talking to you, to hear your story or to, to see you. What is their need for us with the people who are in the food service industry who had been out of work for close to a year, if not over a year, we knew they just needed finances to be real. Right. I mean, you know, like I said, I worked in the food service industry for a long time and a lot of people in the food service industry make good money. Don't get me wrong. Night to night, it feels great to go and, you know, bust your butt for a few hours and then somebody walk over and be like, how'd you do tonight? You're like, I made three, 400 bucks. That feels nice. But I think it is uh, a part of that is uh, because you're going to go back to work the next day and you know I'm going to get more cash tomorrow. You have no problem spending the cash that you have in your pocket. And this isn't about anybody's financial habits or anything. But what I'm saying is, is that I think there's a lifestyle of people who, for the majority, 
who work in the food service industry who don't save well. So when they were out of a job, it's very real. And here's the thing. It's not my job to judge them on that. The question is, is what is their need? And this is why I think it's so crucial that Jesus always asks them. Uh, he, you know, it's not my job to give you what I think you need. I want to know from you, what do you think you need? And I think that's the reason why my heart broke for these people is because I'm like, I resonate with them. I've been in that spot before. I know what it's like to lose a job when you're in that industry. And I knew that something they would need is help with their finances. So that brought us to the third step. And the third question that we all should ask, what can you do to meet that need? And we see Jesus illustrate that here. He does the big thing. Verse 33, Lord, they said, we want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly, they could see. Jesus met the need. And I think we complicate that so much. We complicate it so much. Somebody needs something. We're like, man, I just, I wish I could help. (laughs) You can. What is the need? How do you meet that need? So in, in your scenario, what can you do to meet that? What can you actively do to meet that need? One of the things that I just know off the top of my head because I talk about it so much is I may not have cash on me, but I have a credit card. Like I have a way to buy things and I've always wanted to take the time to take someone to get a meal. Like if they come up to me and they ask, oh, can you spare some money for me to get something to eat? I'm like, I'm going to do you one better. Let's let's go get a meal together. Because then it's like two birds with one stone. I'm seeing you. I'm taking the time to talk to you. I'm listening to you. For someone who just gets brushed off and passed by so many times, like just to take the time to see them and hear them and hear their story and to also meet that tangible need of they need something to eat. I have money. I may not have cash that I can just give them and walk away, but I have a way to provide food for them. And then you and I have talked about uh, for people that we see on the side of the road to make like bags that we can give to these people that have just like basic like hygiene products like a toothbrush and toothpaste and shampoo and conditioner and I wanted to go a step further and put like a note in each of these bags that we like write a prayer on for these people and be able to give that to them because I think everybody in Raleigh would be mad if I took the time to stop and talk to this person at a stop like traffic is bad enough here like I I wonder whose fault (laughs) that is Miss Roadway Design Engineer it's the traffic engineers see I just designed the roads you can send all of your complaints to <laughs> complaints to Morgan at gmail.com. That's probably a real email address. It will be after this somewhere. episode's done recording. <laughs> Thank you for not giving everyone my work email. Oh. Thought about it. Do you I don't even know if you know my work email address. I don't. Okay. Anyways, so again, like just having something that we can give someone and that note being the part where we see them and let them know that they're valued and loved. Yeah. For us, um, last December, we launched a campaign called Operation Bless a Server. And if you go to my personal, I think it's on yours as well. If you go to my personal Instagram account, you'll be able to see it. But basically what we did was we just posted a video online explaining this. A lot of servers were out of work last year. And we were going down to New Orleans to visit my family. And when we, just like you said earlier, normally we're on our way to go eat anyway. So we normally eat a ton when we go down there. We're usually there for a week. It's where I'm from originally. So I got to hit all of my favorite local spots. And we thought, why not raise some money so that wherever we go, we just leave fat amounts of money for people wherever we go. And so we just posted a YouTube or an Instagram story. Said, hey, y'all, we want to collect money. Here's my Venmo. Here's my cash app. Send it if you can. And 
people did. We received a little over $2,000. I think we hit, uh, yeah, it was a little over $2,000. People literally wouldn't stop sending us money. It was crazy. And we're probably going to do that again this year. We've talked about making it like a family tradition that we do. We're supposed to be going to New York around Christmas this year for a friend's wedding. So we'll probably start Operation Bless Us Ever again. And we look forward to getting the True Discipleship listeners in on that as well. But yeah, it's simple. It's what is your need? What can I do to meet that need? What we're going to talk about in this next segment, if it's that simple, those are the first three steps. I'm going to repeat them for you again in case you missed them. Number one, who does your heart break for? Number two, what is their need? Number three, what can you do to meet that need? If it's as easy as one, two, three, why don't we do the fourth step, which is do it. My excuse because we all have excuses. My excuse is always, well, I don't have time. I'm on my way to something and I I can't take the time to sit down and eat with this person. Basically, all of my time is accounted for. And if anybody wants to hang out with us, they have to reach out to us three weeks in advance for us to have a free weekend. Like I always say, I don't have time. And so for my example that I've been talking about for this episode, if people that are like on the street, need something to eat. And um, I always use that excuse like, oh, I don't have cash. I'm so sorry. And I just keep walking. And it's like a twofold excuse. It's like, well, I don't have time to stay here and talk to you. So cash would almost be like another way of like getting out easy Mm. because I have money. I have ways to provide food for people. I have ways to provide food for myself. And chances are, as I'm telling this person, oh, I don't have cash to give you. I'm probably on my way to meet someone to eat. It's one of my favorite things to do. So why not ask this person to come with me and give them something to eat too and to see them and like take the time to just just not brush them off like I think people in this situation get brushed off and looked over so many times that I just couldn't imagine what it would mean for someone to just take time and say I see you and I want to spend an hour eating lunch with you so all my friends, local friends, be warned. Um, if we make lunch plans, I may show up with someone who wasn't on the original invite list. It's so funny hearing you say time is one of the biggest. Ex- oh man, it's easy for me to say <laughs> biggest excuses because it is like it's so easy to default to. I don't have the time, and I'm thinking about kind of all those example phrases that you use, like I'm busy and my calendar's full and all that other stuff. And like we're sitting across from a table right now, and I wonder if I would be able to say those things with Jesus sitting on the other side of this table. <laughs> I remember challenging you and myself earlier this year, maybe last year as, you know, New Year's resolutions. It was probably 2020 pre-COVID because we still had hope of making New Year's resolutions. And someone had told me, instead of saying, I don't have time to do that, say, that's not a priority. And just feel the ickiness as it comes out of your mouth to say, it's not a priority to take care of people in need. Or it's not a priority to call my friend back who's been trying to get in touch with me for a month. Or (laughs) personally attacked. I'm so bad at calling people back. It's ridiculous. Because my excuse is always, I'm too busy. But if Jesus couldn't make the excuse, I'm too busy, what makes us think that we can't? He was literally in that Mark story going to heal someone else and still took a second to stop. Someone else who was dying. I was like, no, it's fine. I'm going to stop and I'm going to see this person right here. 
Second thing that I think we fall into the trap of, one of those, uh, the fear, the reason why we don't do it is uh, we don't think that we're making that big of a dent in the problem. At least for me, that's usually why. Because I think, oh, this is just one person. What can I do? How does this really, how does me dropping a dollar in the Salvation Army bucket really make a difference? I totally agree. I'm someone who looks at the whole problem. Like I look at like the global issue that is homelessness and I'm like one like Ziploc gallon bag full of toiletries and like taking one person to lunch is not going to solve this. And that's when I get overwhelmed, but I get overwhelmed to the point of not doing anything. So wouldn't it be better if I did like even something small versus not doing anything at all? And I just think of like the domino effect. I mean, we were talking earlier, Jesus's ministry was in Galilee, which was a small area that you compared to like a city close by that I know. And now Jesus is known almost around the world. Well, yeah. I mean, to be fair, he like died on the cross for everyone's sins. <laughs> and oftentimes I imagine like, yeah, I put myself in that spot. I'm like, I can't do that. You know, people aren't going to write books about me that are read for 2000 years. And people haven't been prophesying about me, you know, 500 years before I was born. That was one of the things we ran into with Operation Bless a Server. As much fun as that was and as great as that was, I remember like we took time to stop and pray. God, I hope that we end up at the right service table or someone who needs this. One of the one of the things we had is, you know, we collected two thousand dollars and we're like, do we give one person $2,000? Do we give two people $1,000? Do we give four people $500? And that's as much as I can do math. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, man, I, how do I know that this is ending up to the right part? And it becomes overwhelming of how do I know that I'm serving the right people? How do I know that someone else doesn't need this? How do I know that this is even going to make a difference? And this is the thing I think we have to understand about our approach to changing the world. I don't think any of us can change the entire world, especially not by ourselves. But we can change someone's world, and that's going to mean the world to them. And that's the thing that I think we have to wrap our minds around. I mean, you think about the woman who touched Jesus's robe. She probably wasn't concerned about the rest of the crowd. In that moment, it was her and Jesus. And no matter what Jesus would have done, I don't, this woman probably never left and said, oh yeah, after I touched Jesus, he went and like healed this other girl. He, she probably didn't even know about that other girl because Jesus was so intentional and just saw her. And she knew that for this moment, this changes everything. And that's what I think our, our love, our generosity does to, to individuals. It doesn't have to be the whole world. You can change somebody's world. One of the other ones I think that ties us up is fear. Simply put, we're, we're scared to step out and do it. Because we're talking about, you know, kind of the whole idea of this is making the idea of changing the world feel small. But when you're the one that's in it, it feels really big. And I do think sometimes God calls us to big things. You know, maybe God is calling you to move across country or across the world to go and be a missionary or accept a new job or whatever it may be. You listening, you know what that thing is for you. And those things can be scary. But I think it leads into why we don't do things that we forget the Holy Spirit goes with us. We have to remember, and we're going to get into this a little bit more in the last segment, but we have to remember the reason why we go out and do these things is so that we can make disciples. And Jesus, at the end of the Great Commission, says, don't be afraid, for I'm with you to the end of the age. He's always going to be there with us. He's always going to be the one empowering us to do these things. It's his Holy Spirit that goes with us. So we don't have to make the excuse of time or 
not making a big enough dent or fear. We know that the Holy Spirit goes with us and that should be all the motivation we need to go out and change the world. So as we wrap up this conversation, I think we may have saved the toughest question for last. We're talking about doing good, changing the world, but does it do any good to do good, but leave out the gospel? Mm. That is, yeah. (laughs) That is a question. That's a question. And it's a tough one. Short answer. Yes. Long answer. Probably not. (laughs) I say, let's think about it this way. Maybe not short answer, long answer, but short-term answer, yes. Long-term answer, probably not. I was about to say, probably not is not a long answer. Yeah. It's only two words. You long-term answer, yeah. Because I think that as, you know, looking, looking at the Great Commission, Jesus didn't tell us, just go feed people. He didn't say, just go raise money for people. He didn't say, give them your good vibes and thoughts. It's not what Jesus called us to. At the end of the day, our job as disciples is to make more disciples. And I think, you know, it's easy to say, well, so much of Jesus's story is him performing miracles. It's him providing for people. It's him meeting needs. Yeah. But every time that Jesus did that, he did it so that he had an open door to communicate the gospel with somebody. If I went up to someone in the scenario that you've been using, who's standing on a street corner and they're like, hey, you got any food? It's like, no, but I got Jesus. You'd be like, I don't really want to hear that. <laughs> I want Jesus. But the beautiful thing about the gospel is that it doesn't just call us to talk about things and calls us into action. So when we pair the talk and the action together, beautiful things happen. So I love what you said earlier about moreover, just throwing cash at someone and then leaving them alone, inviting them to sit down and have a meal with them. I think those are the type of things that really make an impact on the world and ultimately on the kingdom, right? Yeah. And I mean, as... I love when you answer the question first because it gives me time to think about (laughs) what I'm going to say. I mean, I'm totally listening to your response the entire time. I'm not listening (laughs) to respond. I'm listening to listen. That when we do something for someone, so in the scenario that I've been talking about this entire time, I sit down with somebody and we get lunch together and they're like, wow, that person was really nice and that makes their day. And think about how long that good deed goes with them, like how long they have that memory versus if I have lunch with this person and I talk about Jesus. At the end of the day, we don't have anything except for Jesus. Money is going to fade. Treasures are going to fade. The food is going to go away. We're not going to have anything. We're only going to have Jesus. And so the meal that I take this person to is eventually going to fade. The memory of, oh, this nice person took me to lunch is going to fade. But if I do food and talk about Jesus and tell this person about the hope that they can have in Jesus, the relationship they can have with Jesus, that's not going to fade. They're going to have that. It's going to last forever. Yeah. You talk about things that are going to wear away. And, and here's the thing. We're all going to fade away. One of the things, morbidly, my favorite book of the Bible is Ecclesiastes. And we joke about this all the time. We're just like, well, we're all going to die anyway, because that feels at times like the theme of that book. I get a little more dramatic and I'm like, we're all going to (laughs) die. But it's true. But I think that the, the premise of, I mean, of the gospel and even of what we're trying to do is that none of it matters 
without us being in relationship with God, right? God designed us to be in relationship with him and our entire lives should be allowing ourselves to get realigned by the spirit into the plan that God has already made in this world. And I love the way that Isaiah 64, six puts it. It says, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, he's talking about when we do things apart from the gospel, just, I'm just a good person right? When we do things apart from the gospel, just good deeds by themselves, it says they are nothing but filthy rags. This is going to be gross. I don't know if you know this, but uh, in the Hebrew, that origin, that word, that term filthy rags, it literally means like a used menstrual pad that serves no purpose. The face you're making right now is probably the face that everyone is making. And people who haven't been paying attention just like, wait, what? What did he just say? (laughs) Yeah, that's literally, it's something that is used for the purpose of being thrown out. That's how good all of your trying and your effort and your good deeds are without the gospel. And so you see the kind of juxtaposition of this in James chapter two, when he talks about the balance between works and faith right? And you need that balance because what you get when you do works first or works only without the faith is Isaiah 64, 6. But what you get when your faith drives your works, that's what God calls all of us to. And so we can go out and do great things. It's awesome. Go on mission trips, make as many wells in third world countries as you want, raise as much money as you want. But I think that if we don't take advantage of that opportunity to share the gospel with someone, let me tell you, you have my attention when you're giving me things. You have my attention when you're loving me well. You have my attention when you're being nice to me. And when we do that for other people, our job is to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit that says, hey, you got a door here. This is the opportunity. Oh, well, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm giving you this food, but it's just, I do it because I love you because Christ loved me first. Yeah, I'm giving you this money, but it's it's really, it pales in comparison to the greatness of the free gift of salvation that God gave to me. And I, I think that all of these things are just things that point us back to the love of God, that when we do these good things, it's not just all of our effort and all of our trying saying we're decent people. This is us acting out of a, a place of gratitude and obedience to the Holy Spirit to mirror the goodness of God through our actions to those who don't know him yet. I want to go back to that story one more time in Matthew about Jesus healing the two blind men, because there's something really interesting in that story that I intentionally left out earlier when we were talking about all the things that Jesus did after Jesus heals them and they can now instantly see it says, and then they followed him. Now, when I always read this verse before, I always imagined, oh yeah, of course they followed him. This guy just gave you your sight. Like, yeah, they just started... I want to see what other cool stuff he's going to do. Like I thought they were following him in a proximity sense. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to stay behind this guy because it's some really cool stuff. This is another, you know, quick internet search to study the original language, but the word for they followed them, followed him. I'm going to butcher this. It's akulatheo, akulatheo, and that means to become his disciples. So when Jesus did this thing, it wasn't they like, "Oh man, Jesus, that was a pretty cool trick. We're going to come hang out with you." We don't get a lot of details in this story. We hear Jesus touched these guys. They could see they started following him. But really, I think in there, they realized and had a recognition of this is who God really is. This is who this guy Jesus is. This is what he's all about. And now I see, pun intended, he's worth following. 
And that's what our goodness should do to the world. We should be able to show people that Jesus is, because of the goodness they are experiencing, Jesus is worth following. All right, so there you have it. Three, four, four easy steps to change the world. If you only do three, you're not doing it right. The first, you got to put some action to it. So just one more time hitting that for, for people who may have tuned out a little bit. Here we go. Number one, who does your heart break for? You got to identify that. Number two, what is their need? Got to figure that out. Number three, what can you do to meet that need? And then number four, by far the most important part, you got to step out and do it. Got to step out and do it. There you go. 40 minutes later, and now you have all the tools you need to change the world. That's good. This probably got your, uh, scratch your practical application itch. Absolutely. The entire episode was a practical application. That's right. Yeah. So first of all, yeah. Thanks so much to everybody who has, you know, said that you've benefited. Hopefully this is an episode that you benefit from as well. I'm going to read and give a couple of shout outs to uh, a couple of people who left comments behind just because we, uh, we appreciate it so much. This is from Apple Podcasts. Well, it's on Apple Podcasts. This is from <laughs> username Taylor Brienne. Aaron, I pray you guys keep this going and going until you can't anymore because I'm so in love with y'all and everything this is. From your love for God to your experiences to your knowledge slash opinions to the solid foundation and wonderful understanding of one another within your marriage that shines through this. It's absolutely wonderful. I feel like I'm sitting in y'all's house talking with you. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, we got another one here from TBG Bomb. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Awesome conversations with great people. If you want to learn and think more about following Christ, give them a listen. Highly recommend. Let's do one more. It feels weird reading nice things about <laughs> yourself. Uh, here you go. This is from C. Munoz 96. It says, I am honestly super excited to grow and learn from the content and knowledge that is going to be it says throw out the podcast. I think it means throughout the podcast. Hopefully you don't <laughs> want to throw it out. You left five stars, so I'm guessing you enjoyed it. <laughs> but guys, thank y'all so much for leaving those. If you've been listening for a while and um, you haven't had a chance to do that, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, five stars and a comment. It goes a long way in helping this thing move through the, the interweb algorithms. Yeah, and as you're over there leaving a nice review, if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts or Amazon Music, Amazon Music, literally anywhere you can listen to a podcast, go ahead and subscribe. And we would love if you would give us a follow on Instagram at True Discipleship Podcast or like us on Facebook. And if you need to get in contact with us and you DMing us doesn't work, then you can send us an email, true discipleship2021 at gmail.com. Send in those opening prayers. We've been enjoying that. We've been loving it. Keep them rolling in. Thanks for listening to episode five of the True Discipleship Podcast.